Champions Mojo is part of the CG Sports Network. I know when I left swimming, I had this big um, searching for who is Rebecca. Not Rebecca, the athlete, the swimmer, who, like, you know, I can walk on a pool deck and still I have this surge of confidence. Like, I know what I'm doing. I, I feel comfortable here. Uh, but there's so many other times when I don't have that, but I can build it. I can develop it. Welcome to the award-winning Champions Mojo, hosted by two world record-holding athletes and health, life, and leadership coaches. Be inspired as you listen to Conversations with Champions. And now, your hosts, Kelly Palace and Maria Parker. This episode of Champions Mojo is brought to you by RISE. Maria, did you know that athletes with mentors are more likely to attend college, have increased social and emotional development, and improved self-esteem? That's powerful, Kelly. I do know that teenagers with a mentor see greater long-term success. Exactly. That's why we are excited to partner with RISE. RISE connects teenage athletes with Olympic and elite mentors. And it's simple to get started. When an athlete goes to the easy-to-use RISE website, they can select a mentor and the subscription that works best for their schedule. They even get a free session with an Olympian or a pro athlete mentor to start so they can see if it's the right fit. Athletes can schedule their weekly one-on-one sessions, chat anytime, and get started on one of the most important relationships an athlete can have. RISE is offering a free introductory session for any athlete who signs up. Visit rise-athletes.com and start your mentorship journey today. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Champions Mojo podcast. And as usual, I am co-hosting with Maria Parker. Hey, Maria. Hi, Kelly. It's great to be here today. Thank you for for the usual warm introduction. Oh, yeah. It's great to be with you as always. And um, we are so excited today. Uh, We are going to give our guest a, a the introduction that she deserves. But first, let's welcome her to the show, Rebecca Sony. Welcome to Champions Mojo. We're so glad you're here, Rebecca. Thank you so much. As we said, I'm so excited to have Rebecca. We're both excited. And um, Rebecca Sony is a winner of 22 medals in major international swimming competitions. She is truly an incredible champion. She made a name for herself in the 2008 Olympics when she won gold in the 200 meter breaststroke, shocking her competition and setting a new world record. And then in 2012, she came back to defend her title, again, breaking a world record and becoming the first woman ever to break 220 in the 200 meter breaststroke. She has many great wins in her life and records in swimming. But since 2015, Rebecca has been using her talent and knowledge to help young athletes. And uh, Maria, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure, Kelly. Rebecca and her friend Caroline Burkle started RISE in 2015. After retiring from professional swimming, Rebecca was learning more about the aspects of her performance that she hadn't even consciously known during her professional swimming career, like mindfulness and breathing, yoga and body position. She wanted to share this with young athletes. Through RISE, Rebecca and Caroline, along with a team of elite athletes, are mentoring and training the next generation of young athletes, working with them one-on-one to discover their power in sport and life. We're really delighted to welcome this champion in sport and life to Champions Mojo. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, Rebecca. And of course, Caroline Burkle is your fellow Olympian, and we had her on the show, um, and she she was great. Do you want to start off just telling us about RISE? I think that is just a really exciting program. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. I, you know, we've been at it for quite a while and it really started in the process of my own, you know, journey past sports. <laughs> we've always, we're always talking about what happens on the podium and at the Olympics and on the world stage and in the pool. And, and there was this whole period after that where things just felt a lot more difficult, which, you know, athletes are speaking more and more to the process of retiring and transition and, it was really in that period of time that I was just seeking anything that could be helpful to that process for, for my own self. And in the process, I was connecting with Caroline a lot. We were supporting each other at the time and sharing things we were learning and um, really connecting on each other's experience and in a way <laughs> helping each other, mentoring each other through that. And um, over time, really started to realize that, hey, we're learning some really fascinating stuff to help us through this transition, things that would actually be really helpful to young athletes. And to backtrack a little bit further in this time period, I, I you know, was doing a lot of different things. I was, you know, learning to be a Pilates instructor because that was really helpful in my body's recovery. And I, I really loved it. That didn't really go too far, but I enjoyed the process. <laughs> and I was also taking a course in positive psychology, really learning a lot about just, you know, that whole field where we can look into what's, what's going right and move in that direction rather than traditional psychology of looking for what's wrong and fixing that. And in the, in the positive psychology course, I started to really connect how powerful this is for youth athletes or how I wish I had had this during my career and, and really starting to focus on, on what became our focus of mindset development, which is a big focus within RISE. You know, we speak to all sorts of things from the breath work, the body awareness, you know, but a lot of it comes back to mindset, confidence, you know, just understanding a little bit more about your own self. Who am I? Who is the athlete, the person beneath the athlete, right? Like I, I know when I left swimming, I had this big... Um, searching for who is Rebecca, not Rebecca, the athlete, the swimmer, who like, you know, I can walk on a pool deck and still I have this surge of confidence. Like I know what I'm doing. I, I feel comfortable here. Uh, but there's so many other times when I don't have that, but I can build it, I can develop it. So, you know, with connecting with Caroline on these things, we really just saw that as much as we can go and swim, teach swim lessons or um, swim clinics and connect with kids that way. That's not the juice. That's not like the real deep, powerful work that I think both of us really uh, craved in our retirement phase of our careers and wanted to create. And so we just jumped in with a couple of young athletes. Some I'm still working with weekly today, five years later, they're going off to college at this point. I started, you know, seeing them when they were really young and and so it's a really rewarding relationship, but over time we started to realize how healing it was for us as well and uh, how much of an opportunity it was for athletes going through either, you know, the peaks of their career when they need additional, you know, support, maybe financial support to get them to the competitions and, you know, sponsorships are, are great. I feel really lucky with what I had, but there's a lot of athletes that don't have those opportunities and really can utilize the support. 
but also and, and perhaps mainly for the retiring athletes who want to give back and have so much valuable, powerful information that's nothing to do with what your brushstroke looks like or, you know, the drills that you can do to improve, but really, you know, who are you and how can you improve yourself and how that makes you a better athlete. So, you know, this has been a winding road building to rise as it is today when we have over 30 mentors from all different sports and and tons of athletes all across the world that are utilizing this and and we're really just continuing to evolve as we evolve which is a really beautiful thing and working with a, an amazing team of people and friends and just really feels very connected and beautiful all around Kelly and yeah. I t talk a lot about identity. It's interesting, you know, what you're talking about is, is an identity that's, that's changing. And, you know, like we ask each other, you know, what are you? And Kelly will say, well, you know, I'm a swimmer, you know, even though I, I'm, <laughs> when I'm not swimming, I'm a swimmer or whatever. And sometimes I'll, you know, anyway, my, my question is now that you're moving into this new sort of, usefulness in your life how has that changed your identity it absolutely has I mean it's been eight years since I raced last and in some ways that feels like a really long time ago in other ways it feels like just yesterday and and I still do feel that swimmer identity uh maybe in different ways at this point but i still feel the connection to the olympic movement and and to that part of my life but i also am really conscious of that not being my main identity and not being the thing that i hold on to and and you know honestly i struggle with speaking you know doing speaking engagements or like talking about my olympic story sometimes because it is looking in the past at a different part of myself that's not really moving me forward necessarily. And it's really powerful to create, you know, the community, the people in my life that support that forward growth. And I think even within Rise, it took us some time, you know, we're still um, speaking towards the Olympics and we want to be that support system for, you know, the, the mentors that work with us. So the, the athletes that are either, finishing up their careers or, or still competing or, you know, they're moving into a different realm of their identity. So we can all kind of connect and talk about this stuff. And um, it's kind of interesting too, you know, I'm dabbling in just for fun, other sports, nothing competitive, but just like running on the trails outside my house or, you know, and, and we've talked with some friends too, of like, Sometimes I feel like I identify myself as a runner as well, but it, by no means with any accolades or any, you know, desire to accomplish anything other than I like to run or, you know, I, I enjoy this thing and it brings me joy. So I kind of identify with that, but yeah. And also doing my best to just not identify as any of those. I'm just me. <laughs> like I'm just Rebecca and you know, that that's enough. And I think that can be a really, hard thing to balance with the built-in ego of athletics. Like athletes are very selfish. We have to be in order to take care of our bodies and push our bodies and achieve the things that we want to be. And, you know, looking back, I, I really see that self-focus that devoured my life for 15 years and was necessary in order to reach the next level and the highest levels. But 
it also really didn't serve me after that was over and really learning how to break that down and realize, you know, there's so much more to who I am than if I can break 220 in the 200 breaststroke or not. That, that at this point feels kind of laughable. <laughs> so what, <laughs> you know, right. but obviously it's a huge accomplishment and all that, but it's also, there's also just so much more to who we are as individuals that have nothing to do with our accomplishments. Yes, yes. So it sounds like this is very healing and rewarding for both the mentors and the mentees. And so uh, if someone is listening and they have a young athlete in their family, either, you know, somebody that they want to connect to RISE, could you tell us like, is, is RISE an acronym for something? Does it stand for something? <laughs> and how do they get connected? Who is your ideal candidate? Does it cost money? Like just, um, you know, if somebody's listening, they're like, oh, I, w- I want to get connected with RISE. What do they do and what does it look like? <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So RISE, um, it's, we're just pulling on this concept of building ourselves up, right? And the process, we used to have this like nice swoosh looking thing in our logo. Now we're just mountains because we all love, <laughs> Caroline and I both really <laughs> I love, love the mountains it. and I live in the mountains and uh, that just inspires me. But um yeah, the, the program itself is ideally for the kind of teenage athletes. Um, I, you know, kind of thinking back to the early days, it's like, I want to work with that athlete who's like, it's no longer rainbows and butterflies. All of a sudden, like, it's hard. And I don't want to get up in the morning and I'm plateauing or I can't break my best time or, you know, the, it's not usually that usually happens around the teen years. So that's our, you know, the ideal athlete that we work with, but also someone who is looking for something else. You know, they realize that I can put all the training in the world in the pool or in whatever sport I'm doing, but there's gotta be something else. You know, like I I think back to the world stage, the Olympic stage, um, the top eight, the final heat and looking across at all those athletes and don't tell me that, any one of them trained harder than the other. Like everyone is training as hard as they can. And you know, what's the difference? What's the key distinction um, between the athletes, the good and the great, you know, the, the winner and the third, fourth place. Um, and it's, it's so much more than just the physical. So it, it's almost this like curiosity that within the athlete of like, there's gotta be something more um, than, you know, just swimming in the same circles that I've been doing for years and years. Um, So yeah, that's kind of the ideal person that we love to work with. And as far as what it looks like, we do mentorships, so one-on-one weekly Zoom meetings, and we have a couple of different offerings on the website and it is a a fee system. So it's not, um, it's, either $3.99 a month for the full time, every single week, you're working with a a high elite level athlete, diving into mindset where it's kind of like a blend of you have someone here connecting with you, talking you through, you know, anything that's showing up in your life. And also we have this amazing tool, library of tools of mindset development exercises resources you know we have a lot of research behind all of our content and and things that can really help you practice throughout the week between your sessions so it's not just hanging out and chatting but you're actually making those you know slow gradual really impactful changes that can show up down the line so it's really like this relationship that you're cultivating with this elite athlete that you know is is giving you all of their best information of what they've learned and their you know for me 15 years of athletics and the trials and errors what didn't work and and you're getting you know the 
straight access to all of that information directly from somebody who's been there. So it's a pretty amazing opportunity to connect with, with somebody who's really there just for the athlete as well. They're really a one-on-one, you know, it's all about you and your progress and what's going on for you. And what does RISE stand for? It doesn't really stand for anything. Oh, it uh, doesn't. Oh, I thought, no. it, oh, sorry. Okay. I mean, yeah. it's just the concept of rising. Rise. Yeah. Rise. It's I, beautiful. I will. My initials are RIS. So that's kind of like started it, but that it's oh. nothing to do with me. It does <laughs> like kind of coincidental, <laughs> but yeah, it's all about just like rising up into who you are as an individual, not just an athlete. Like, yeah, we'll help you be a better athlete. But what we really care about is that you'll be a better human you know, you'll be happier. And, and we have all the metrics and, you know, research backed stuff to, to show that the athletes in our system are, are really improving all around. It's not just, yes, their times are getting faster. They feel more confident, but also, you know, their relationships are improving and they have more awareness and mindfulness and really cool stuff that we're able to see across long-term, you know, process with these athletes. I love the concept. I mean, when you talked about ego, I, I've been thinking about my own ego. Uh, and Caroline Burkles said something that has stuck with us. It keeps coming back. Uh, you are not what you produce. <laughs> and, and so, um, you know, just this, this concept of, I mean, I think, you know, we interview champions and we want to know, you know, what the mindset of champions is. And there's, there's, in order to be successful, there is a, a certain amount of ego that you have to, <laughs> you know, you have to serve, you have to be single-minded, you, you know, you, um, but I love this sort of expanded concept that you're talking, or I think I hear you talking about, which is, you know, beyond, you know, what I am producing in the pool or, or whatever, I, you know, what, what, what more is there to me? And I guess my question would be is, would be, as you work with these athletes, do you think that they're going to come out at the other end after their athletic, you know, career is over more prepared um, for real, you know, the life that you and, you know, you had to kind of face after your professional's career and then, and how, how do you think that that might work? Absolutely. And, and that's something I'm very passionate about because I certainly remember the moment of finishing my last race in London and, and just, it was instant. It was just this like, Oh, mm, you know, <laughs> like this is not what now and who am I now and what value do I possibly have now? And, um, you know, these really deep hitting, uh, gut wrenching kind of feelings. And so, yeah, I, I think we speak to that a lot and I I've seen I'll kind of, bring it to this moment. Now the athletes that we've been working with over the last year within the crazy 2020 COVID, nobody's training. People are trying to train. We're back at the pool. We're out of the pool. We can't race, you know, all sorts of different things that, you know, kids are having to deal with, not just their sport, but also school and in so many different big ways and just having that opportunity to talk about that. But I've seen a lot of athletes really, you know, putting swimming into perspective and, and, you know, whatever sport it is that they do, they, we've had these amazing conversations around like, who am I outside of that? And I, I used to be just this like fully intense swimmer. Now I have a little bit of like perspective over like, I, I am the person who swims and there's so much more to me. And, and just having those conversations during this time when they couldn't swim or, 
you know, they're going, they're trying to be recruited for college and can't get to races and whatever the issue may be. And they're just starting to see things with a slightly different perspective. So it's definitely um, something that is incorporated within this conversation of just the general back and forth and discussion of, um, you know, we're not just sitting here telling you because it's easy to say, yeah, you're more than just a swimmer. Uh, but it's the, it's those like conversations that really start to have it be understood in a different capacity. And over time, we're really seeing that shift. Um, I, I think I, really saw it during this last year um, specifically and so yeah I think I, I know that they are able to you know have a little bit more of a smooth transition in their time whenever that comes but also I think it really allows them to keep their sport in their in proper perspective currently and that can also help them become you know, better athletes. And, you know, I, I think to those athletes that are like, so determined, they're so like, they're, it's their everything they're forcing, you know, they're working so hard, working so hard. It's kind of like, you're just forcing, you know, the whole process. And I think back to certain parts of my career that felt so forced, effortful, you know, just grinding away. And we do have to have that grit and determination and and be able to grind it out but also there's those moments when everything's a little bit more aligned my purpose is clear that like i'm doing this but i'm also okay as a human and i my my value doesn't ride on my success and i mean maybe a little bit but i also have other other metrics for success and and um and, and doing so, the effort full becomes this like flow and becomes much more smooth. And we're able to, you know, it's kind of like you, you swim a race, you do poorly, you could get out and like be really upset and like really hard on yourself or just be like, I'm going to be better next time. And I know what I'm going to do and just like flow right into it. So it's this, this shift from like, con like all effort forcing, you know, you're fighting the water, you're just like plowing through versus just like floating through and being able to go a lot farther, you know, in that capacity, at least that's how I, I see it. <laughs> so is this um, something that you've um, honed over, like, were there times and, and when were there times and description of like, has this always been a little seed, a kernel and Rebecca throughout to be <laughs> this kind of you know, human being versus a human doing and, you know, like the, the forceful effort versus the flow. Did you find that during your career, were there times that you were in flow versus times that you were really forcing it and, and you, you felt that? Can you like talk about some of those things? Yeah. And I certainly didn't have quite the perspective that I have now in the moment, but I certainly had experiences, you know, long periods of time when I felt extremely like forceful and overdoing it and, and, and it wasn't quite lining up because of that extreme effort. And, and so I guess, let's see, a couple examples that came to mind, um, you know, you can even look at it and it's really zoomed in perspective, like one race in particular, um, actually my last individual race, the two, the under 220, the 200 breaststroke at London finals. And it was, um, you know, a day when the sixth day of competition in London and uh, the exhaustion hit and my body felt wrecked. And I just like, it was the one day that like, 
it all started to feel really bad. And I felt like, you know, couldn't even get up to, I was forcing, I was like, get through warmups, like trying to get my body to move in the proper way. And I just felt so much effort, but to no, <laughs> to, to no reward, it just felt like the struggle got harder and harder and harder the more that I pushed. Um, and there was this moment, you know, right on the blocks and a lot of panic that led up to the blocks because I felt <laughs> horrible. It's my last, like, I didn't, I knew it was my last individual race. I knew it was my last Olympics. Like, this is my last chance. This is the finals of my best event. You know, and in some ways, my entire career led to this moment. And here I am and I feel horrible. <laughs> I just feel like horrible, right? And there was this moment on the blocks when I, I had this just like, release of that effort and it, it just became clear you know I, I saw myself resisting and I I felt this like I don't think I can do this like I, I I'm all out of effort like I efforted until there was no more left not mental not physical like without a doubt the physical side was like didn't feel it at all um, but I did notice the mental side and realize I do have control over that and I was kind of copping out by just like keep forcing and keep plowing and like if it fails like at least I tried you know that kind of thing but in the in the quiet of like getting to the block standing behind the blocks hearing kind of that mental chatter being like I don't, I don't think I could do this like I'm dead I'm exhausted and just realizing like I'm sabotaging this moment this is my one chance to like this is my last moment you know and it's a lot easier to just be like oh I'm dead. I'm tired. I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't. Um, but I just like, let that go. And just like, yeah, I can. And it was this huge release, like my shivering body just like, okay. And, you know, I just like, let go of that battle, the force, the effort, the, the mental, you know, like, endless heaviness, the burden, and it just like suddenly became so light don't know how I had the, the tools for that. It just kind of happened. And, and by noticing, by realizing how I was speaking to myself and, and, and like, I can feel it in my body, just talking about it. Like I'm getting tense, it, it, feeling that feeling. Um, and then just like choosing to let it go. And I cannot tell you how I swam faster that night. I cannot tell you, you know, looking at the splits, it, does, it doesn't make sense. Um, my body was still just as tired and somehow I was able to, you know, break the world record, make my goal that I'd had for 10 plus years of going under 220, win the gold medal, so on and so forth. And it was all just complete flow. Like I was not in control. I just released that control and let it flow through and, um, you know, just trusted that I had whatever it needed <laughs> to complete that race. Um, so that was definitely one moment, uh, like, one specific moment, one specific race where I know that if I hadn't released in that way and like let go and surrendered in that way, it wouldn't have turned out the way that it did. I, I wouldn't have been able to, you know, accomplish what I did with, with by that effort and the force and the, um, yeah. So that's one example. That is a great, that's an incredible example. story. It's a, it's a perfect example and we love stories. It's a beautiful story. So have you taken that and, and used it in real life? And do you have any like post swimming, like real life situations where you were fighting and then. Yeah. And I would um, add to that question, you know, how do you coach people against the resistance, you know, for yourself, you know, how do you coach that? Because that's something we all struggle. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see, I'm trying to think of a specific, you know, relevant example, but it, certainly with running a business, with running Rise, and there's a lot of stress that goes into, you know, the, the process of managing and, and being responsible for other people's, you know, livelihood and, and just creating the culture and working with the team. It's, it's fantastic, but it can be a lot and a lot to learn. And I know there's been many times when collectively, you know, now there's five of us kind of executively with Rise um, and collectively, like we have to check in and like we catch ourselves really being in that forceful place. And it's a lot harder, I think for me, because, you know, like sitting on the computer all day doesn't give you the same, like, ability to release or let go is something physical where like you can go splash around in the pool and kind of like work stuff out of your body like somatically releasing and whatnot um and you have to find other ways to bring that into like into my work flow into my work day and um that's something that admittedly i still need a lot of work on and so i know one of the most powerful things i think about the mentor relationship is like these kids get to see that we're not like gods and goddesses. We're not perfect. Like here's all the ways that I, you're, you're, we're experiencing the same things in so many ways. And it's really beautiful to kind of work through that together. Like, I can't tell you how helpful the conversations with my athletes have been for me and <laughs> what I'm going through now, you know, they're trying to build themselves as an athlete. I'm trying to build myself in, in, as a, you know, as an entrepreneur, as a business leader, or, or just like in my day to day. Um, and there's a lot of connection there. So it, it, we're not coming in like, Hey, we know everything and we know how to do it right. But Hey, we're doing this with you. Like there's a lot to learn no matter what level you are uh, athletically. <laughs> so to speak. Um, so yeah, it's definitely present in my, in my life every day. And I know we really have to, you know, Caroline, myself and our team, like we have to con be conscious of it because we get trapped in that forceful cycle as well. Um, and you, you mentioned how do we work through that and how do we actually build that ability? Um, <clears throat> you know, there's different ways that we can practice and, and a lot of you know, the concept of letting go, it's, you know, the biggest meditative process of just sit on your meditation <laughs> and, and focus on your breath. And when you shift, come back. When you, when you notice yourself wandering, come back. You know, there, there's so many times, you know, I, I've loved yoga and I've been practicing for many, many years. And there's been a lot of moments on the yoga mat where I notice my mind wandering and there's just like, yeah, you can connect what my mind is doing to how tense my body feels and how, you know, being able to play with bringing it back, like noticing what's bugging me, letting it go, like releasing. So we do a lot of, a lot of different things from like journaling, you know, noticing what you're holding on to. I'm a big fan of, of journaling in the sense of just like getting stuff out of my mind. You know, I don't journal to like sound pretty or ever read it again um, there's many days when I implore more of like the artist's way if you know that where you just like write whatever ugly thought disgusting nothing I would say to somebody else nothing I would ever admit to thinking but it's in there it's like it's it's my thought so let, if we write it down it's amazing how it like re releases from our mind we like to hold 
everything that we can, you know, in our, uh, I just like hold on to so much and whether we feel it, you know, just any thought that keeps coming back, just write it down, throw it away, you know, just write, 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 throw it away. Um, so getting it out in that way on a more like, you know, creative mental way um, or physically, somatically, like practicing moments of like releasing from my body. I feel the tension in my shoulders. So can I take like 10 minutes before my next meeting to really just like shake it out? Um, I, I used to, I should get back to this, but I used to have these breaks in my day when I would just like go do handstands, just flip upside down, <laughs> get the blood flowing in the other direction, like physically just releasing stuff. And, and um, you know, it's these little things that are so simple. Most of what we do are simple things. It's just a matter of doing them and recognizing, noticing when you need to employ the tools that you already have. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. That's ter terrific yeah. stuff. Great advice. Great advice. Um, so obviously running a business is a challenge. Maybe some would even call it an obstacle. Have you had any major obstacles in your life? Like what, what would be the biggest one that have you've overcome and could be swimming? It could be post swimming, but just like yeah, um, the two that stand out, we've already talked a lot about the transition time, but that that was a huge, really challenging time. And one that, you know, I, the best way through it was connection with others that have gone through it and just connecting with people that make me feel, you know, like I, family, you know, the people that love me and, and support me and, and whatnot. Um, so that was, that was certainly a huge obstacle. And we've spoken to that a lot. I think, you know, during my swimming career, a big obstacle was more physical, was the heart condition that I had, you know, my entire life and really became a bigger issue as I started to, you know, move into college and training outside the heat, the dehydration, you know, stuff like that, that really affected the heart condition. So I, I kind of pushed through it again, forced, forced my way through it, dealt with it, um, until I couldn't anymore. And, um, was able to uh, get a uh, you know the heart procedure to fix it so it was no longer an issue and this was I believe 2007 six so um, and and really the time after that when I had to relearn how to push myself physically like in a good way because <laughs> for so long you know for a good maybe six months, if I pushed myself, my heart would go past like the trigger point. It, the, my heart rate would jump to, I think the highest I counted was 400 beats per minute. Couldn't like, wasn't circulating blood into my body. It was just going back and forth in my heart because of this condition. And, um, you know, you can't swim without blood circulation. So I'd have, you know, I'd have to get out and, and sit on the side of the pool. And this happened every day, like my freshman year at USC, I was just like, I get out again and just like the feeling in my body of just like it's like lactic acid through the roof like <laughs> couldn't move for the rest of the day and um yeah so I got this I developed a fear of pushing myself physically and had to really undo that and took a, a good year or so to really learn how to work hard and practice again and, and do so in alignment with my body rather than just like blindly pushing through but really tapping into like 
what does my body need? How am I feeling today? Like knowing that line where pushing myself past is, you know, there is a place where I should not push myself past and how can I continue to challenge my body in the water and keep moving in the right direction, but trusting that I know when to back off. And it's not just because I, I want to. <laughs> Wands has no place here, but it's really being in tune with the body and knowing where that line is. Your obstacle of, we, we did talk how um, hard it was to transition out of swimming, but can you detail like what, what, what did it look like? Were you depressed? Were you anxious? Were you withdrawn? Were you sad? I mean, what, what were your exact feelings that caused you to need to connect to others and felt like this yeah. was the big obstacle? Yeah, for me, it was, it was pretty severe depression that I had experienced. And I don't even recall the exact amount of time, but many months of, you know, the laying in bed and um, my dog at the time, I always credit him with, you know, he's got to go to the bathroom. So we've got to go walk. And that got my body moving. But it, aside from that, like, it's just, it's such a wild feeling to have your purpose stripped away. And I had no concept of my, I had very little concept of my value outside of Rebecca, the Olympian, Rebecca, the, the, the breaststroker. Right. And when we have uh, no more need for that, like I, I didn't, I knew my swimming career needed to be done and I was ready. And yet there was nothing else. Like I just couldn't, even picture the future. I had no concept of what to do <laughs> with myself. And, and so, yeah, I, I was going through some depressed, like deep depression, couldn't get out of bed except to walk the dog and then get back in. <laughs> and, um, and just, yeah, I think animals can be really magically healing. You know, they, they look at you with the same eyes every day, the same excitement and you look into another creature's eyes and realize that, you know, there is this value to life that he, he knows nothing about my swimming or ever cares. I mean, he came to the pool deck to, for practice sometimes, but other than that, <laughs> he doesn't understand, um, you know, so it just in, in kind of a cheesy way, but yeah, I think animals have been a big part of my healing process and connection to just like, you know, I don't know. Sometimes it feels so funny. We're all just like these human animals running around pretending we're important for this or that reason, or that what we're doing is valuable. And, and it is valuable, but in other ways, like I can just go sit by my Creek with my dog and also feel incredibly valuable and, and feel like connected to life and nature and, and life's purpose of just living it. Like the purpose of life is just living it and realizing, you know, I know in that time of, my depression post Olympics, which in some, I think it lasted for years, honestly, but you know, that intense phase was just a couple months, but um, I forgot where I was going with that, <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, just really realizing I kind of set up the system. Like if my dog is happy, I did a good job today. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. My I took him for a walk. My, yeah. <laughs> He's tired. I achieved my objective. <laughs> And I did a good job and I can be proud of myself and, you know, you're, you're coming back that. to the simple things, you know? <laughs> yeah. I love that. And one of my um, favorite things is, uh, is our science fiction movies in the future where we're all 
earthlings. Like my husband and I just say, why can't we just all be earthlings? Not Americans, yeah. not, you know, <laughs> whatever you are, not women, not men, just we're earthlings. Dogs are earthlings and frogs are earthlings. And, you know, we all just inhabit the earth. So I love that. I, I think that's a beautiful way. Yeah, to- you reminded me of my dog this morning who I was, was late getting out of bed because I was, I did something hard and, and I didn't want to get out of bed. And, you know, he, put his head on and looked at me like, hey, mom, are we going to do this or not? But I, I love the stories uh, about transitioning. I think almost every person can, can relate to a difficult transition. You know, I was uh, a very busy mom of four, and then all my kids went away, you know, and I had to figure out who I was. And people retire, and I, right now I'm coaching somebody who's changing things up and so when you're one thing and you're intense and committed and, uh, you know, and then, and you try to do the best you can at that. And then all of a sudden you're not that anymore. It's a very, it's, it's a transition. And so I guess, you know, what can we learn about transitioning? You know, what, what do you have to offer people going through any transition? I mean, it's difficult when you're young. I'm sure people look at you like, well, you're a gold medalist. What do you got to be depressed about, right? So that makes it that makes it a little harder because people are maybe, you know, maybe you sense that people or even you're, you were judging yourself about that. But we all transition. We all change, you know, jobs. You know, how can you give us some coaching on, you know, how do we get through transitions? <laughs> yeah. And when you said that, I, I'm kind of laughing because I remember this very distinct moment at my first Olympics. And I just remember thinking like the, you know, the pre-race, the anxious, everything was like building up to this intense, like I can't handle this anymore, just this intensity. And <clears throat> I remember that having this thought, like a serious, genuine thought, like if I can only like just win this medal, I cannot imagine how I would ever be upset ever again in my life. I like, I remember that so clearly and I fully believed it. Now it's like, how ridiculous could that possibly be? Like, there's no, no connection. Like my metal, like it sits right there in the corner. Like, I don't, it doesn't mean anything. I mean, no, it does not mean anything, but I think you know what I mean, that it doesn't, it's not connected to our happiness at all. And I think that's one of the most interesting dichotomies that we're living through as athletes is we work for years and years and years towards this objective thinking that it will make us happy and I was not crying tears of joy on the podium I was crying tears of whoa whoa now what you know like I couldn't even be present with that moment on the podium but back to your question on you know moving through that and and yeah I've, I know I've experienced many transitions in my life you know the biggest being swimming to not swimming but certainly many others along the way and many times I have to remind myself that oh yeah I'm in a transition right now and you know I recently um four or five months ago, bought a house and I'm living out in the woods. And like, I have to remember, I'm still transitioning to this lifestyle, even though I love it and everything is good, but it can still hit me sometimes so heavily. So the advice that I'm feeling called to share at this point with this is to learn, you know, for me, learning to find joy in the simple things in the dog for example, like finding joy in the moments that mean nothing on a a more success operating society. Moments when nobody's looking, but I can sit next to the fire and know that like, 
yeah, how am I feeling? Tapping in with myself, those simple moments, the sunshine, you know, cracking through the trees or a snowstorm or, you know, making space in my life for the simple things has, I think, drastically helped me to just connect into myself and feel more grounded so I can go through my day and do the silly things that I do on the computer <laughs> you know again back to the dog I think through you know my dog is laying on one one of them's laying on the floor right here and they probably you know what do they think of me standing here all day just like tick, 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 get away at the computer you know <laughs> like what value does that have in their eyes when they're like we either need to be going out for a walk you know <laughs> see, see the world like your dog and and um, enjoy the things that they enjoy go for a walk and and you know, feel the fresh air and, and fi finding those moments when, when you can just like feel joy for the sake of a simple and, and joyous moment. I think that's, that's always what's helped me and feel refreshed enough to, to keep at it and keep, keep things in perspective, I think a little bit better. That's beautiful. You moved me with that. <laughs> yes, that so is true. beautiful. So Rebecca, do you think that if you had, if you were, the Rebecca of today and you took this exact same mindset and personality and you went back, you know, 10 years before you won Olympic gold. Do you think you would have won Olympic gold? Ooh, that's a hard question. <laughs> that's a good one. Do you I'm just, think, I'm curious where this question comes from. <laughs> no, I'm just, I, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm putting my hat on as a coach and a swimmer and um, mm -hmm. wanting people to think along those lines, wanting yeah people to say, you know, uh, you know, because some of our questions that we love to ask champions are, you know, what traits make a champion? What, you know, uh, made you a champion? And I'm feeling like if we ask you those that, you know, they might be either, you might not, you know, think those questions were pertinent or, um, but just with those two kind of hats on, like people that are listening that really want to be high achievers, but that, Maybe it's better today instead of going to swim practice or going for a run to sit in front of the fire. You know, so I'm just, I'm just curious, like how one who's listening can balance this, mm -hmm. you know, we're all, yeah, you know, the ego see, and the ambition. Yeah. See, see, right. see your eyes through a dog, but yeah. your dog doesn't want you to go to swim practice. So, <laughs> you know, I'm saying, how have you reconciled this? That's a great question. It is Kelly. a really good question. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for asking it. I, I think, you know, it's, it's a little, I'm having a hard time finding an answer because the Rebecca today doesn't really have a desire to go compete, but that's because I've been there, done that, and that, that doesn't drive me anymore. But if I put myself back in that time when that was driving me, I can really see how, you know, some of the perspectives that I feel like I'm developing now and moving towards could be absolutely, I think I would just be more in tune with myself and able to still achieve on the same level and perhaps even greater level um, because I was fighting myself so much in the process. I was like, it was constantly a battle against myself. And if I could have somehow, you know, um, incorporated more self-awareness, more, you know, deeper understanding of why I want to do that thing, why I want to keep swimming and chasing, you know, those times and, and what val like what meaning it actually had for me. Um, I do think that that would have made my Olympic experience more 
whole, more complete, um, <clears throat> rather than as fragmented as it, it, it does feel looking backwards. But to answer your question, I think there could be a balance between, you know, the, the, the peaceful moments, the sitting by the fire, the, you know, those kind of more contemplative moments and almost bringing that into the working moments as well. Like it's not just sitting or out there at practice. Um, you know, I, I, we can all think of practices where, you know, it's, it was the hardest practice that I could think of. And I just like felt so smooth and at ease and it was almost meditative, right? It's like runner's high when you're, uh, which I'm still trying to <laughs> get there in my it. running. Um, but yeah, having that um, ease within the effort, right? So you're not just finding those moments of peace within, uh, you know, the easy way of sitting by the fire and whatever, but you're also finding it in the moments of effort. Like I come back to my coach, Dave Salo, who his thing is always like, be comfortable being uncomfortable, right? So it's just finding that ease that, you know, can I be at peace with myself while I keep pushing my body? Cause I know why I'm pushing my body instead of just like forcing it, you know, against its will, so to speak. So, but yeah, I think there's also a time and place for chasing different things in life. So um, at that time I was very driven to chase the Olympic dream and chase my goal time and um, achieve the things that I wanted to. Um, and at this point I would not want to do that, but I'm also, <laughs> you know, 10 years away from past that point in my life and, and realizing there's other things I want to do in my life with equal passion. Um, and I still do push myself, but it's up mountains instead of down <laughs> pools. <laughs> I think that's a great, that's answer. A great answer. And, um, there, there's a book, I don't know if you're familiar with it called the peaceful warrior the peaceful warrior. And it's, it's about that. It's about finding that sweet spot between being competitive and, you know, hitting your ambitious goals and things. So I, I think that's, you know, that's what I hear rise to be, you know, something where you are going to help people achieve their goals, but within flow, within, you know, feeling good. So I, I, I think that was a great answer. I also would, I, I, you know, we're a little bit older than you. <laughs> you're younger than, I guess you're, no, you're exactly the age of my second daughter, but I've always told my kids this, you live a long life. Most of us get to live a long life and we get to be different people in different phases of our lives. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's cool to think about being totally, you know, egocentric and really chasing this dream with ambition and drive, but knowing that someday out there, there's going to be a different you that's going to want different things. That's going to create different things. And so, you know, that would be, you know, if, if I were coaching somebody, I'd be saying, you know, the transitions are hard, but there's time for everything. You know, you, you know, yeah. you don't, you're, so when you get bored or tired of whatever you were <laughs> or, or yeah. it, you know, you lose your job or your kids grow up, <laughs> there's time to do completely different things. There is. Yeah. And to chase different, you know, objectives in, in my life. And hopefully I get to be a mother someday and, and can experience that being a purpose and, and, you know, being a business leader, but also an athlete. And, and even within my own community of friends, like I, I love being the one to be like, Hey, let's go ski up that mountain today. And like instigating that and having those objectives and those motives. And, and I also, you know, through the transition process away from swimming and, and having, 
having it be a big part of our conversation at Rise within our mentor community and and just in general in the conversation of present day, I feel like it's a, a big conversation with the, you know, the movies that are coming out, documentaries, and, and we're getting to know more of the lives behind the athletes, not just the media facing, but also their internal world. And, and um, yeah, I, 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 as you were speaking, I was thinking, oh, my goal is to like go out and achieve all those things. But when it's time to just like, be an old lady and sit and sit in my, you know, rocking chair. I'm going to do so with so much joy and like peace in the moment of just like, I get to rock back and I get to rock forth. And I'm <laughs> so happy with that. Not just because I'm like tired or anything like that, but just because I, I want to also along the way cultivate, you know, the sense of peace, uh, like being at peace with myself as I'm running a business and stressed out and, and doing other things. And, you know, I also am building that side of myself. And I know, you know, from conversation and relating um, athlete transition to military transition to retirement transition, um, you know, I've seen so many people retiring from their long career or just work in general. And they're like, what do you do with yourself? What, how does one, you know, yeah, I'll go play golf or all these things that people look forward to. And then, you know, again, that lack of purpose or the shift in purpose. And, and so my goal is to just keep building my purpose uh, completely irrelevant of what I'm doing. And, and just, you know, back to what Caroline said it, it's not about what we do. <laughs> it has nothing to do with what we're producing or doing. Um, but also, I want to go produce and do great things. But also, I want to sit in my rocking chair when I'm there <laughs> and enjoy it. <laughs> so um, you're obviously a business leader. What are your thoughts on what makes a good leader? Hmm. So, I, you know, leadership is such a huge conversation. I don't, I don't pretend to be a leader in leadership, an expert on leadership. Um, my style has always been more, um, lead by doing and by rather than speaking. Um, you know, my, my thought on leadership is how am I showing up for the people that I'm with? Like I'm with you guys right now. How can I, how am I showing up here? Um, when I'm with my team, how am I showing up with the team? Um, I'm a generally quieter person, personality. I love listening, observing, um, and that's also the way that I, what I bring into leadership. I think there's a lot of different styles of leadership and, you know, Caroline and I kind of, you know, lift each other up in that way. And we, we have very different styles that work really well for our team, teammateship and, and companion part, partnership. Um, but yeah, for me and, and as, you know, team captain at USC and of the London Olympic team and, you know, it was always just like by presence, leading by doing the work that I'm putting in, how am I showing up? How am I, you know, supporting my teammates, but I'm not the one that's going to be leading the cheer. I'm not the one that's going to be, um, you know, I'm not very active on social media and that's, you know, by choice. Um, but I, you know, business aside, even just like within my own small community. And like, for me, it's all about, yeah, how, how am I being present with the people that I'm with at the moment? And that to me has a really huge, you know, lasting effect and really meaningful for my own value and purpose as well. Beautiful. So um, just real quick thoughts on Lily King. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's amazing. I, I'll admit I'm, I don't, 
keep up with swimming as much as I should. But of course, no Lily King. And, and, you know, she's been amazing to watch over the years. And um, yeah, it's really fun to see the brushstroke legacy continue and also such a strong personality. And um, yeah, it's been fun to, to keep watching in that way and see brushstrokers come (laughs) into the limelight as well. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Very good. Well, we don't want to take you too much of your time. Um, Maria, you want to hit the last question? Yeah, just is there anything that we haven't covered that you'd like to say? Hmm. Um, not particularly. And this was a wonderful conversation. Thank you for the great questions and diving into, you know, there's, there's so much that we can continue to talk about always, but ultimately, um, yeah, I just appreciate the opportunity to share about RISE and, and to share the passion that we have for both the athletes that are transitioning and retiring and still have so much to give and so much to, you know, that's our team now. We get to have this team of, of athletes that, you know, we still can connect with and be a part of something together with. So that's really beautiful. And also have the opportunity to to shift the foundation of youth athletics, to shift the starting point for them. You know, we're doing this retroactively. We're doing the work. We're, 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 you know, doing our own work (laughs) that's necessary and supporting each other. But also, you know, we really hope to shift that, that starting line for the future generations. Hmm. Beautiful. Nice. Thank you. Yes. Are you ready for a little fun segment where we just do a quick little sprinter round of silly little questions. Sure. It just helps people get to know you a little bit better. So um, I think I I could probably guess about half of these, but. um... All right. Cat or dog? Oh man, I have dogs, but my cat, I became a cat person. (laughs) Okay. All right. Red or blue? Mm, Blue. Milk chocolate or dark chocolate? Dark chocolate. No kickboard. dairy for me. <laughs> oh, no dairy for you. Okay. Kickboard or no kickboard? Uh, kickboard. Social Mount- kick. <laughs> uh, social kick. Yeah, I love the social kick. Mountains or beach? Mountains. Football or baseball? Ooh, I don't really watch either. Okay. iPhone or Android? iPhone, I suppose. Coffee or tea? Mm, right now, coffee. Okay. And sunrise or sunsets? Sunrise. And nail polish or no nail polish? No nail polish. Okay. All right. Marie's got some for you. Favorite color? Green. Hmm. Favorite pizza topping? Vegetables. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That leads to my next question. Favorite vegetable? Um, At the moment, red peppers. Hmm. Favorite swim complex in the U.S.? Ooh. Man, um, I always loved racing in Austin at the UT pool. It's a great I don't know pool. why. Favorite music genre? <laughs> um, ambient. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite, uh, sh- what's your shoe size? Uh, eight and a half, I think. Uh, do you have siblings? An older sister, yes. What's your favorite Star Wars character? Uh, I don't know Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) Can you cook? Yes, I can. Okay. And what 
you can answer this for yourself or for the people that you mentor. What word comes to mind most when you're when you dive into the water, or what word do you want to come to your mm. swimmers when they dive into the water? I, the first thing that came up was flow. Mm. Just like go with the flow. <laughs> That's a great nice. one. That is great answer. Well, Rebecca, it has been such a joy. Really, really, um, really a yeah, pleasure. Truly. Yes. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you so, so much for having me. Yeah. Thank you. And great luck uh, with Rise. We will definitely be watching and, and cheering <laughs> yeah. for you. And it's just wonderful what you're doing. Yes. Thank you. Appreciate that. Bye-bye. It's now time for the takeaways. Maria, you and I have heard the takeaways are the best part of the show. That's right, Kelly, because the takeaways are curated information, which is what we give to our clients when we coach them. If you would like to take your performance to the next level in health, life, or leadership, go to our website and schedule your free 30-minute consultation. Yes, just click on our coaching page and book there. We're looking forward to bringing out the champion in you. And now, the takeaways. All right, so Maria, Rebecca Sony, multiple Olympic champion, world record holder, what, what, Wise, wise woman. Wise and yes, so so evolved and and obviously worlds away from the Rebecca Sony from the Olympics and in in a in the best possible way, I think. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I I loved so much of what she had to say, and I love that she has created um, a new life for herself where she's giving back, you know, to the community and trying to really help. both uh, athletes, elite athletes transitioning out of their sport and um, youngsters, you know, who need, who need the mindset training um, coming up into the sport. So it's, it's like the best of all worlds. Yes. Yeah. The program that she's doing with Rise is fantastic. And there was, there's, there are a lot of takeaways, but we're going to just hit two. What what was your very first one? Well, uh, I guess, you know, we, we, you really should listen to the whole thing because there's so much in there. But um, I, I, one of the things that she said that I loved was, you know, we talked about transitions and every human, if you're lucky and can live a long life, will go through transitions where you are no longer one thing and now you're something else. Um, and one of the things she said that was a perfect little bit of wisdom was to remind yourself that you're in a transition because transitions, even if they're good things, you're moving, you're having a baby, you're whatever, retiring, even if they're joyful things, they're transitions and transitions are hard. And if you just give yourself grace, I think sometimes when we're transitioning, especially to something good, we can be really hard on ourselves. Like, why am I not happy? I'm married or I have a baby or I, you know, my, you know, I'm, I'm doing the thing I always loved. And, and, and what she said was, you just got to remind yourself, that is the transition and give yourself grace and, um, and, and know that you'll move through it, that transitions are hard. So I thought that was a great bit of advice. Yes. I think that was fantastic. And even, you know, like a lot of post Olympic champions, she had a depression period after, you know, her swimming career ended and that was a big transition for her. But like she said, it doesn't even have to be as big as, the Olympics, you know, you get married, you get divorced, yeah, yeah. You, you, you know, you move. I know yeah. um, any little transition. I just love that. It's reminding yourself that you're in the transition. And then you can even um, extrapolate that to remind yourself when you're doing something hard, like this is hard. You know, <laughs> it's, right. it's, it's okay to, to not be enjoying, you know, this cavity that's being drilled. This is hard. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, just recognizing, I think that's also um, just 
just great wisdom. Yeah, uh, so I, I my, have. Okay, okay. Take give yeah. us your your, your first my, takeaway. My first takeaway um, was I thought the story, and I I I think this is on our Mojo Minute, but the story of her. And it's not the full story, but her being behind the blocks at the Olympics and listening to her just fighting. She said it was effortful and she was fighting it and fighting it and her body felt terrible. And then she listened to her mind saying what her inner voice was. She was listening to her inner voice. How did she transition from being in a terrible place mentally and physically? She said she was exhausted. She has no idea how she won the gold and set the world record, but she said, I listen to what I was saying. And then I let go and I just Mm -hmm. let go. And so I think that I would describe as being in flow. And so my takeaway is to get into flow, you've got to listen to your thoughts, stop just forcing it and forcing it and fighting something. And, you know, that which you resist persist is one of my favorite sayings. So just kind of let go. And yeah. so that, ha- that got her into flow. It got the negative voice in her head to go away because yeah. she recognized it. So th- that was my first one. Oh yeah. That's such a great one. And earlier in the show, she talked about even just writing stuff down. Like when your head is just crazy and just writing it down and throwing it away just to get it out of there. If you can't do that behind the blocks, of course, but yeah, that's a great, great point. Resistance, you know, a lot has been talked about it, but it's, 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 you know, how do you move through resistance? You address it. You say, okay, this is it. No, oh, that's wonderful. I love that takeaway. Um, how about so, your yeah, one? my second one is, you know, something we talk about frequently, but I don't think you can talk about it enough is she's really learned to be in the moment and, or she's learning and she's, you know, she's, she's trying to be, you know, in the moment. <laughs> I particularly like that when she talked about you know, someday maybe being in a rocking and cha- rocking chair, like old in a rocking chair, and we we laugh. <laughs> but um, but she said, "I'm going to be backing and forthing," and that's such a beautiful description of rocking. Because when you're rocking, you're backing and forthing. She talked about, you know, observing the joy of a sunrise or the crackle of the fire. So it's it's really you know another word for it is mindfulness. But just being in the moment can bring you a lot of peace and joy. And I think it can help reduce the loud voices of resistance that, you know, can be in your head. Yes, no doubt that that is a beautiful thing. And, and one of the uh, little hacks or tips that we use in our coaching is to keep people in the present moment is now I am. So the words are now I am rocking. Now I am doing a podcast. So you're yeah. present because it's so often we're just doing something. We may be mindlessly, uh, you know, thinking that we're talking to someone, but we're looking at our phone or we're thinking about our next thing. But now I am having a conversation with my husband or now I am, you know, eating. rocking. So I, now, I, now I'm I, eating. Now I'm tasting this yeah. food. Now I, yeah, it's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. So I think that's a, that's a good tool. I love that one too. And I, my um, second and final takeaway was truly that, you know, she was depressed after she got out of the Olympics. And um, so her, her healing for herself was connecting to others and especially connecting with her dog. You know, so I, I say, I think all of us earthlings, you know, I walk around our neighborhood here and we have these unbelievable number of frogs that 
seemed to pop out and be sitting in my path on the sidewalk. And it, I can't tell you the way that it just changes my parasympathetic nervous system when I'm, you know, walking along and I see these beautiful little froggies sitting in front of me. I always stop and I say, Hey, Mr. Frog. And I, just, <laughs> I mean, so, and, and, I, I said in the show, Mark and I call these earthlings that I think the world would be just a more divine place if all of us were earthlings, not Americans versus this or women versus men or whatever. It's just, we're not Republicans and Democrats, we're earthlings. Yeah. And so the way that um, Rebecca got through this depressive period was she connected to her dog, she connected to her friends. And so I think that's a good thing for anyone. And I also, you know, our... Um, one of our real focuses right now is helping people with depression and anxiety and champions mojo has launched a depression and anxiety toolkit for athletes that is free. It's totally free. And we've taken, we've curated the very best information and resources for anyone with that. It's um, you know, it's on our website, but uh, I think, you know, that, that connecting to people is definitely, it's one of our steps in the, uh, toolkit and Rebecca used it. So I just thought there was a lot there. I hope people will listen to the whole show, but if, if uh, they're just getting the takeaways and that's, you know, th- those are our two. Yeah. So if you, if you're depressed or anxious, you know, it's important to remember that we're incomplete without other beings, as you said, you know, and I think that's, that was that, you know, we, we are not meant to be alone. <laughs> My dad used to say, when you're alone, make the, you know, the, you make the wrong decisions. So connect with others and, and other beings, frogs, lizards, yeah. dogs. Doggies, that's cats. a great take, great takeaway. It was a swimmers. Ba- yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mommies and daddies right. and grandkids too. <laughs> yeah. And sisters. Sisters. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Never had a sister until I had you, Maria. So well, we're so lucky to have each other. Yeah, we are. All right. Well, another one in the books and okay. uh, yeah. Thanks All right. Maria. All right. Love, Love you. you. Bye-bye. This week's quote of the week comes from Rebecca Sony. Making space in my life for the simple things has drastically helped me to just connect into myself and feel more grounded. You've been listening to the Champions Mojo podcast with host Kelly Palace and Maria Parker. Champions Mojo is produced by Cabra Media and a new episode debuts every Tuesday. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Follow Champions Mojo on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Champions Mojo.